This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and this week I'm joined by Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? Good, good. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Better than the Mets, I guess. I but mean, that's yeah. a low bar. <laughs> Alright, so Ooh, for... Yeah, exactly. For Promote, Extend, Trade this week... We talked a little bit about him a couple of weeks ago, but in 1941, the season ended today, and Ted Williams achieved immortality and hit 406. And he technically might have immortality in another way, because his kids basically chose to ignore his will and had him cryonically frozen, and he right now is a frozen head waiting to be reanimated sometime in the future. So... If you woke up in the year 3000 and you were head in a jar, <laughs> who would you want to be on the shelf with? Who would you be okay with being on the shelf with? And who would you hate to be on the shelf with? First head on the jar is John Stewart. The next one is Jerry Seinfeld. And the third is Matt Groening, who is from Portland, but I think he might secretly be a Mets fan because he's used the Mets in a lot of iconic scenes in The Simpsons and Futurama. And all of these, these three heads in a jar, they're all, uh, canonical because they were all in Futurama. So we're okay. 
It was John Stewart. What was the second name? John Stewart, Seinfeld, and Matt Groening. Um, Have we started? Hmm? Have we started recording? Yes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Ken, get with it. <laughs> no. I don't want to. Um, um, I would maybe groaning because I would want to ask him about like the Simpsons and Futurama, like that's a, that'd be a fun one. But then I feel like once I'm done with those questions, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> well, now what? <laughs> yeah, now I like turn around and I'm like, so it's probably the dude I'm ex- I'm promoting or extending is John Stewart because yeah, he's John same. Stewart and he's cool. Same, same. Yep. Uh, I think I would trade groaning, to be honest, for reasons I don't really want to get into. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. Extend Stort, I think, um, and promote Seinfeld. I, I look forward to Seinfeld being in the booth every year. I'm the exact <laughs> opposite. I'm trading Seinfeld because I just, he annoys the hell out of me. It's just his really? voice. His voice you don't find is it like... Funny? No, I don't find his comedy funny, and his voice is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Really, yeah. I like the show. I don't. I've never seen his stand up. And I can imagine if your your heads in a jar and you're just stuck together for like oh years and years and years, <laughs> I'd go crazy. He's gonna ask you what's the deal with the jar, and you're gonna like exactly. Jump out. exactly. <laughs> you're gonna jump out and fight him. <laughs> so that would be yeah, that would be my doom. All right, uh, let's move over now to Asia, and we'll look at the teams there. <clears throat> and the Yuna Lions went two and three, so that leaves them at twenty-three, twenty and one, which is tied for first place now with the Fubon Guardians, and three games ahead of the other teams, the Racking and Monkeys and the Brothers Elephants. And same old face here, Chiche Su. He is the hitter of the week. He went 11 for 22 with four doubles, a hit by pitch, and a stolen base. And all five games that he played this week, they're all multi-hit games. And he actually has a streak going back of eight games. He's had at least two or more hits. So he is uh, peaking right now. And pitcher of the week is Tim Melville. And he won his first game in Taiwan this week. He threw six scoreless innings. He's got two hits. He walked four, and he struck out four. And some interesting news about the league before we move on. The CPBL announced that the COR of the league balls is going to be changed for the 2021 season. So COR is the coefficient of restitution. And that's basically a scientific way of saying that a ball goes far when you hit it. <laughs> um, things that affect the COR, elevation, humidity, the materials that the ball is made out of how tightly it's wound, the smoothness of it, all that kind of stuff affects the ball. So um, that's why you have places like the PCL where it's very dry and humid and the ball flies off the bat. Uh, The current COR in Taiwan, it's 560, and they want to lower it by 10 hundredths to 550. So that's going to depress the offense a little bit, and it's kind of needed because, as we know, the league is an extreme hitters league to the point that Basically, only a handful of domestic pitchers are able to hang, and everyone else really has to be an international signing. 
<laughs> it's comical. The league average is no, okay. This is the league average: three hundred one, three sixty, four sixty six. Three hundred one. Three hundred one, three sixty, four sixty six. On average, five point nine seven runs are scored per game. So that's basically wild. Yeah, the lead, the the average player is basically Jeff McNeil. Um, so yeah, lowering the COR is gonna make things a little bit more even. Uh, and then for reference, the MLB COR, it's about 546. So that's right now about 20 points, well, 15 points lower in Taiwan. And the KBO and the NPB average, it's actually way lower, 413. But those two leagues, they test it differently. So in reality, the COR might be higher than what they say. Moving on over now to Korea. And the LG Twins, they went 3-3, three and three, so they're 65, 50, and 3 for the year. But they're still six and a half games behind the, the NC Dinos uh, because they've basically been on fire just last past week and have two wins directly against the Twins themselves. Uh, Roberto Ramos, he's back, and he's hitter of the week. He had an insane week. He went 9 for 22 with a triple, five home runs, Four walks and nine RBI, so one hell of a week. Is he still and on pace for the uh, home run stuff? I, if there were more games being played mm. in the year, I think he might be. He's up to 37 right now, which is uh, tied to the league lead. But I don't think that he's going to be able to get to the re- I think the record was offhand 52 or 54. Oh, okay. And yeah, there's just not enough games to get there. I couldn't remember what it was, so no. Like, Still very unless, impressive. Oh, unless yeah. he's literally like roided uh, Barry Bonds for the rest of the yeah. time. I don't think he's gonna get it. Um, yeah. So, oh well. That Although is the, yeah. yeah, and and the guy that has is tied with him is Mel Rojas Jr. and he's second cousins or or first cousins once removed. I don't know how any of that works, but. He's related somehow to Louis Rojas, the Mets manager, so. Interesting. Yep, little fact there. I feel like there. Louis Rojas is related to a lot of people. Right, yeah, I mean, right. the Alu family, there's, there's a lot of them, so. Definitely has the potential to be related to many, many baseball people. Which and is so the, fun. I like that stuff. Mm-hmm, hmm And the pitcher of the week is Tyler Wilson. And he allowed one earned run over seven innings, scattering six hits, walking one, and striking out six. And last, and definitely least, are our poor Yakult Swallows. And they went three and four this week, which leaves them at 32, 45, and six, which is 19 and a half games <laughs> behind the Yomiuri <laughs> Giants. Oh. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they have it in them to make up a 19 and a half game deficit. But we'll see, I guess. Um, hit of the week again is Monotaka Murakami and he went 5 for 19 with four homers and four walks and he's up to 17 home runs now. So he's tied for fourth in the Central League in homers. He's second to Kaita Sano in batting average. He's trailing by 20 points right now, 352 to 332. But he's still first in the league in OPP. He's first in the league in slugging now, first in the league in OPS. 
So it is a tall order, but in theory, he could end up leading in every single offensive category minus stolen bases, which would be wild to see what the voters do. But kind of unlikely, but you never know. And then pitcher of the week is Albert Suarez, and he gave up one earned run over seven innings, giving up three hits, walking three, and striking out three. So very even betting uh, pitching line. The lack of the strikeouts, like we've been doing this all year now, and the lack of the strikeouts always jars me. Yeah, I mean, the Swallows, they just really have no pitching whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and like, talk- and like the MLB is where the strikeouts are. Yeah, in the, I mean, in the, in the world, I guess. Japan is very traditional in the sense that there's still definitely a stigma against striking out, and you see that, you know. In, in terms of pitching lines every night. I mean, there's definitely guys that strike batters out. It's kind of, I guess, what we see is kind of skewed because the Swallows are just such a bad team, <laughs> especially when it comes to pitching. And Agawa, their ace, is a guy that, like we were talking about when he threw his no-hitter, it was also the first time that he ever reached double-digit strikeout totals in his career, and he's like an 8 or 9 or 10 year veteran so not a single time did the ace a moderately good pitcher you know in comparison to the rest of the league hit double digit strikeouts so that is an outlier I would say yeah Yeah, pretty wild in comparison to what we're used to I mean back in the day when you had you know guys like Darvish were striking out the world Otani striking out the world uh, there's another pitcher in Japan, Fujinami. He strikes out a lot of guys. He's extremely wild and walks as many guys too, but, you know, they do have their share of guys that get all of the swings and misses and everything. Alright, um, back to the U.S. now. And we spent probably the majority of last week's show, basically bemoaning the fact that the Mets are going to get screwed in the 2021 draft if the MLB used some kind of combination of 2019 and 2020 records to figure out draft order. And it turns out maybe things are a little premature because the report that got us all up in arms was from Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com. And, you know, they're they're reputable enough. But then like a day or two later, uh, Jeff Bassan had an article at ESPN and his sources indicated that the 2021 draft was highly likely to just be a 2020 win-loss record. So, at the end of the day, who the hell knows, I guess. MLB probably doesn't actually know either. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about this process has made it... <laughs> <laughs> made them seem Very like they true. know anything. <laughs> exactly. But obviously... Just basing things on 2020 record is going to benefit the Mets a lot more. Yeah. I was rooting for them to go 0 and 60. They didn't, unfortunately. They did win at least one game, so I lost that. But at least looking at it from this draft context, they do have record under 500, so that's you know solid. Um, they're still going to end the season with a pretty decent pick as things stand right now as we're recording. Um, they would be probably making their pick with the ninth pick because they're 26 and 33. 
I guess we'll have a final update next week since there are games happening right now as we're talking. And then depending on how the Mets do and how other teams in that big scrum that they're in do, um, things are going to change. It's currently 11-3 Nationals. So, so that's, that, that's good. Um, basically, the Mets need... we. In order to the best pick that the Mets possibly could have is going to be as low as seven, and in order to get there, they needed the Mets needed to lose, the Nats needed to win, and now Kansas City needs to win. So we have two of those three. So if Kansas, Kansas City, City wins, is winning, good. Okay, so we want that. <laughs> it's and, two one in the top of the eighth. Oh wow. Okay. Well, whoever their closer is, better. Who's who? They have Rosenthal's their closer. No, they sure. traded. They traded. Okay. Well, but like Josh Stoumann has been closing. I think I say pronounce his name. Stoumann. You know who I'm talking about. He throws really hard. He's good. Well, He's been good. He better. Day. He better lock down that save. But if he does, the Mets are going to pick seven, and that's a pretty good pick. Um, not good enough for like Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter, barring some crazy unforeseen stuff Steve, happening. Would you say that uh, the seventh overall pick is Jared Kelnick territory? Uh, it might be. It might just be. I mean, they 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 needed something like like it sucks because I'd rather like obviously I'd rather them be good and just pick thirtieth because they won a hundred games or fifty or it's forty whatever. But like if you're gonna be bad, just be like top ten. Yeah, I mean it is. Uh... If you're gonna be bad, be really bad. Yeah, like no sure, be one, but like. They were they were always going to be way too talented to be one unless everyone opted out because like you're dealing with teams who are trying to be one but if you're going to lose be seven like, yeah no I'll it's, take it's seven 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 is a good place it, it means that you know you were bad but not completely unwatchable like like the pirates you know <laughs> yeah exactly because that's just yeah like like I don't really like tanking as a philosophy just because it's it makes watching the team that I root for so bad that it's not fun. But, um, like, I think there's limits to how bad a team should be, like, in order to be watchable. But if you're going to be bad, be 7th, 6th. And then, obviously, even in a normal year, it would be way too early to guess, you know, the individuals who are going to get drafted other than maybe the top player or two. But then this year, given the lack of high school and college seasons and all of the uncertainty for next year about what's going to be happening, it's even more pointless. But that seven or eight, you know, if, if Kansas City wins, I guess the Mets will be picking at eight. But seven or eight, you know, should net them a really solid pick. And if Steve Cohen goes on a spending spree this this winter and he signs a, a high a, a high profile free agent or three. The Mets, you know, they'll lose draft picks starting with the second one, so that'll make picking this first-round guy even more important. So that would be a good outcome. For sure. Good first-round pick, and then they lose their second because the Mets are actually spending on free agents for a change. But who knows, because... A lot is going to be going on in terms of the sale, and it's going to be happening while all these free agents are going to be making deals and blah, blah, blah. So I just hope the timing works out for everything. And, like, 
hopefully if they're going to I don't think they'll do it right now like because they just won't have the time to get the front office in but they should have a smarter one like a more analytically <laughs> driven one I would hope so and like the and with the with the rumblings that there that there are with it's it's Alderson who has always been like the godfather of the moneyball movement which is an analytics movement and like that's kind of what he's built his brand on and I think it was Heck from the Rays and Owens from the A's. Like, those are smart teams. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. if you're going to hire from teams, you're going to hire from those. Like, obviously, I hope they don't run a Rays and A's budget, but I don't think they will because Cohen is just going to be like, here's the money. They're not going to be like, no, I don't want it. Like, I would rather run a small. They don't, I don't think they want to. I think they do it because they're forced I, I, to. I, I think the hope is that, um, these guys who have graduated from small market teams treat the team like how uh, Friedman has treated the Dodgers. Yes, like that—that's the dream. <laughs> like you both, you could do both. Like yeah, right. Like you, you, you could be smart and look for the, and look for the deals and look for the the the, the Chris Taylors of the world, like for a Dodgers example, and the Justin Turners even for a Mets Dodgers example. But also sign Mookie bets, <laughs> you know, because you can, you can afford to, like. Like, the hope is that Sandy Alderson isn't like, no, we should not sign George Springer or JT Riomuto because I would rather just, like, add up the war. Like, you know? Like. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a realistic chance that they look at the squad as currently assembled and say, we don't really do a realistic path to contention. Um, sure. I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be fine with whatever as long as there's a an actual plan in place instead of whatever the last decade has been. Yeah, that's really all you can ask for, I guess. It's that um that, that's all I'm really that's all I've ever wanted <laughs> from the Mets. Yeah. It's, it's just for them to have a plan that isn't like let's oh, maybe Adrian Gonzalez has something left in him. Yeah. And then execute it in a way where it might actually work. <laughs> so, like, I would kind of be mad if Cohen, not mad, but I'd be kind of upset if Cohen comes in and is like, we're trading DeGrom and building from the ground up, because then, like, that's like five years of the Mets being totally unwatchable for something that probably won't work because it's baseball, and yeah. the, ch- the chances of the prospects working is always kind of small. Like, you could go into a rebuild and never end it. Mm-hmm. Like, of like you, you could be stuck in it forever, or like for ten years, and like, what's the point? I guess you know, I'm I mean, not opposed to the idea of a rebuild as long as it's a rebuild with actual planning and um, an endpoint in mind. Now, obviously, that'll change if yeah. the endpoint keeps getting pushed out, like the White Sox, you know. But then there's also like the Orioles and the Tigers, and. I don't, I don't want to watch Yeah, those. no, I, I mean, I mean, the White you know. Sox haven't been good for 10 years. And yeah, like, but that sucks. Like, now Exactly, they're... exactly my point. Is like, I don't want that. I want, like, what's a good example? I don't know. The Astros? The Astros are the example, but there's a lot of other, of other things going on there. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe what the Padres are doing, where it seems yeah, how... like that might be coming together finally. How bad were they? Like, how long were they bad? They were pretty bad for a long time, but at least yeah. there was a process. Yeah. About as long as the Mets. And so, yeah. like, the thing it's is, like, cratered. Yeah. So the thing is, like, I think the Mets have such little money tied up in the future. And, 
Yeah, there's it, a lot of creative on. ways where they could they could fix things quick. Like it's you, just you, how much pitching is available, you know? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like they yeah, might need to sign like thing. seven pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> and like, are you going to do that? Like, yeah, like is that possible? Just in terms of like arms available. <laughs> and like, not that. everyone is going to choose you, even though you. Yeah, have exactly. Them. Like, there's the realistic uh, limits on it, but I don't know. We'll see. We we literally know nothing about how this guy is going to run the team, other than I'm happy to see Sandy Alderson back. Yeah, I mean the only thing we could say for certain is that it probably will. It's very agnostic. It probably will be better, but maybe not. Yeah, I would assume it's better than the Will Ponds, but exactly, exactly. Like, um, I think it's hard to say <laughs> with any realistic idea that it'll be worse, given just how bad the Will Will Ponds are. <laughs> But that doesn't mean it's good either. But yeah, it might not be good by any stretch of the imagination. He could be Artie Moreno, you know. Yeah, and then you've wasted Mike Trout. Well, like Art in the process of wasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Trout might never be on a good team ever yep. because Artie Moreno is bad. And so, like, if Cohen is like that, then well, that's not good. There's lots <laughs> you know, of bad like, owners. Yeah, there's a lot Some of bad of owners. Spend in, a lot of money. Yeah, he does. He spends a lot of money. He just refuses to spend it on pitching. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So it's just going to be... It's To be honest, I'm a little excited. And I think the Alderson signing excited me a little bit. Signing. Higher. It's uh, excited me a little bit more than just Cohen buying the team because I don't think 72-year-old Sandy Alderson is going to be like, I want to engage in a five-year rebuild. (laughs) That's a good point. Like, I think Sandy Alderson is going to come here and try. And, Even like, beyond that, I, I just, I'm happy there's an adult in the room again. Yes. And, yeah, that after, hasn't been true in a long time. And, like, I'm left. so curious, because Sandy is obviously good. Like, people like him from other organizations, and he was good here. Like, he built a World Series team with Jeff Wilpon breathing down his neck. So, if and you could like do that. Every, everything that came. <laughs> That was good last year was, like, holdovers from Sandy Alderson. Like, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So, like, I'm very curious to see what he looks like with a budget for, like, the first time in a long time. Because, like, I think the A's spent a lot of money, like, a while ago, like, when he was building those, like, late 80s A's teams. I'm assuming mm-hmm. they spent money. But, like, after that, he was on the, the start, the A's when they didn't spend money, and then the Padres, and then the Mets, you know? So... I'm curious to see what Sandy now, with all of his all of his experiences, looks like when he's able to splash cash around. It'll be fun. Yep. Hopefully, we get to see it. Yep. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full worth limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When it was announced by Major League Baseball in August last year? No, October last year. Jeez, it seems like forever and not that long ago. But when they announced that they're going to be radically changing the minor leagues, I think we all went through a lot of emotions. And for me, I think disbelief was like the biggest one. Because I figured that, yeah, they're just kind of posturing and they're just going to bully the minor league teams into, you know, paying for stadium improvements or, you know, whatever it is that they want. Few extra percentage points on something. Right. For some more fees to the parent club, whatever. But then, and at the end of the day, things will just go back to normal. And weeks passed, months passed, and the reality of the situation, you know, became more and more apparent. And Major League Baseball is just going to ram everything that they wanted through based on their bad faith arguments. And at the end of the day, it was all about money and control. And we're officially at that point now because on Tuesday, Major League Baseball is going to be having an official um, announcement that the Appalachian League is going to be operating going forward as a summer collegiate league, like Northwoods League or the Cape Cod League. Uh, we've we've gone over the history of of the Kingsport Mets and of the Appalachian League in general. Uh, go Johnsonville City Soldiers, of course. <laughs> and, you know, it, it just is a, a shame that, like, a hundred years of baseball history is going to be disappearing on a whim because a couple of billionaires want to cut literal pennies from their operating expenses. Um, but the silver lining here, I guess, if you could even call it a silver lining... Yeah, is that there is gonna be baseball in those Appalachian League cities. It's not like just everything is just gonna disappear and get shuttered and that's the end of it. And something is better than nothing. Um, I don't know if things are gonna be the same as it was when the teams were MLB affiliates, but I mean, there are gonna be jobs. You know, they'll need the groundskeepers to maintain the fields contractors to keep up with the stadiums, vendors to sell concessions and all that kind of stuff, people buying ads. So in that sense, at least those cities will have some economic boom. Um, I was reading some, I was reading an article about the Cape Cod League finances, a little bit old, it's from 2017, but according to the article, the league and the 10 individual teams combined, they have about a $2.5 million um, impact on local economies up there in Massachusetts. It's worth noting, though, that the Cape Cod is literally like the world-class college for that leagues. Right, you know? exactly. I mean, that is the model that, that you know, everything They're else is They're at the literal, of. like, top of the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't able to find any, like, concrete numbers for the league, but a lot of teams, you know, because obviously the economic impact is kind of a, of a major thing that all these local newspapers and stuff are talking about. But 
um, from a lot of these local newspapers. I found some numbers. I'm sure they're a little inflated because it would be in the team's best interests to kind of inflate how much money that they were contributing to local economies. But, you know, Kingsport generated roughly a million dollars for the city of Kingsport, you know, an economic impact. Burlington Royals, Princeton Rays, the Bluefield Blue Jays, the Bristol Pirates, the Pulaski Yankees, they all generated about the same. The Johnson City Cardinals, the Greenville Reds, and the Elizabethton Twins, they generated about $600,000 for their respective cities. And then the poor Danville Braves, they generated about 50000 for Danville. But, you know, you add everything up, and we're talking about close to like $10 million or so a summer in a region that, you know, is struggling economically right now and has been for a while and probably isn't going to magically get better. So, like Ken was saying, if the Cape Cod League brings in about $2.5 million for that small slice of Massachusetts, a new Appalachian Summer League that's just starting off that doesn't have that kind of gravitas to it, that doesn't have the, the status as the Cape, you know, they're going to bring in, bring in a fraction of that to the area. And that area obviously is bigger than just the little Massachusetts Cape. Yeah. And, and some of those cities rely more on that summer economic boom than those cities in Massachusetts, which are kind of well off. So not a good combination, but you know, at least it's something. And, and I hate that mentality because it's basically, you know, thank you for these crumbs that you're dropping for us. But, uh, you know, I guess you have to be realistic that at least something will be benefiting these cities. And then I think in terms of, you know, attendance or interest in going, the, the lack of a major league affiliation will hurt to some degree. But at the same time, I think that, like, I don't, I don't really know how to say this without sounding like dismissive, maybe, but like, you know, Kingsport and some of those other cities in the area, they're like small town country enough that just going to the ballpark to watch a game is just something you want to do, if that makes sense. You know, like, it's, it's an important part of like the entertainment of the community. Right, exactly. It, it doesn't matter if it's the Mets, it doesn't matter if it's the Yankees, it doesn't matter if it's just some random team with random college players, but, you know, it, it's something to take the family out to see on the weekend. It's something to take your date to. It's something to just do when you have some free time. Um, and, and those rivalries, I think that they exist. They, excuse me, they, they transcend, like, the team name or who's playing so, uh, you know, people should probably come out to see these guys regardless. And obviously that's good for those college players too, because playing in front of a, a rowdy crowd and, and a crowd that's yeah. into it is, you know, much better than playing in front of literally nobody. For sure. And also I like how it just expands, like, not a non-financial level. It expands the game. Mm-hmm. Now, people who live in those areas, like, they can't, unless they travel, like, a far way, usually, they can't go see a major league game, for the most part. So, like, 
even if like people upstate, like if you live in Binghamton, you could I guess drive down here, but that's, you're gonna drive all the way back yeah, after it's a like four hour trip. Yeah, it's pain. exactly like it's a whole th- it's it becomes a whole thing. So like that might be their only chance to go see live sports, mm-hmm. and like that's important. Even though we like I live in I live right in in Brooklyn, and you guys live close to close enough to go see the Mets if you want to. So like that's different for us where like we could just go see the Mets if we have the money to and want to. But like, I don't know, for the most part, it's just if I didn't live there and I lived upstate or I lived in a small town in the South, like that's how I would see live sports. And now that's just gone. And that's kids who can't see live sports. And that's parents who can't take their kids to the game and stuff like that. If they enjoy doing that. So it just sucks. Mm -hmm. That's what for a very long time, really until I started doing like draft stuff. I could never understand, really, why college sports was so big. I mean, I didn't go to, like, a a famous college or anything like that. Uh, I don't have any family members that did, so it's not like, you know, oh, I was born a boomer or something like that, you know? like. So I just never really got why, like, who cares? You know, my mentality was always, "Eh, who cares? Like, it's a school, whatever. But I mean, I I went to a big college with a big athletic program, and I, I still don't care. (laughs) but the part of it is for a lot of places like the colleges kind of take over the the spot that your organized team would have you know i think that we're all very spoiled because there are so many things i mean you could go to a, a mets game a yankees game a cyclones game a stanline yankees game a trenton thunder game a lakewood blue Coast game the Rangers game, the Islanders game, the Devils game, the Knicks, the Nets. Yeah. Like, there's so many options. And for a lot of these places, like, well, your option is just the college team. So that's kind of where you, you have all of your passion going into. And same thing for now, you know, minor league teams is that's your best bet. You're really your only bet to see professional sports. So you... You know, yeah, that's your thing. And hopefully, you know, the people take to these kind of this, this new college wood bat league in the same way because, you know, it's maybe not professional. It is amateur, but you know what? Hey, it's still kind of high level ish sports. So. It's not that all that far removed from the Appy League in terms of level of competition. No, it, it probably is. It, it, hell, it might even be a higher level, <laughs> I mean, if we're honest. It, I guess it really depends on how, because MLB is going to be pulling the strings, you know, in the background. So, you know, does this new Appalachian League kind of take some of the luster away from the Cape? And, and, you know, in that case, then, yeah, the competition level is going to be pretty high. If it's something where the MLB is just like, yeah, whatever, do whatever you want to do, and they don't really care, and it just kind of, you know, plods along, then at best it'll be a third choice between behind the, the Cape and the Northwoods League. And there are a lot of other leagues that I don't even know, you know, off the top of my head. Oh, for sure. Savannah Probably would be. Hmm? So the the... Former Savannah Sadnats are in one. Oh, okay. Right, that's a random, right. A random college with that league. The Savannah Bananas. How could we forget? 
But yeah, it's uh Yeah. I cannot say that I've gone to like a high school or college level game to like cheer and watch anybody, so I don't know how it feels, I guess. But um or I mean, I I played college sports and, but it was D three, so like, no one went. <laughs> so like, like we had people who would go, but it was like our friends, you know, like right, right, like right. it was more like whenever I would go to games, it was because I knew people playing, and I was like, yeah, I'll go to your game, like I'll hang out, you know. Well, I just hope you know at the end of the day that things work out more so for just the cities and the people there, um, you know. I don't want to sound callous or anything like that, but I I really don't care about how the league itself does and the players. There's always places for them to play if they want to. But just for the people of Kingsport and the people of all those Appalachian League cities, you know, I hope that it all works out well and that the teams become draws and it helps out economically. All right, so does anyone have uh, any last words this week? Thank God the Mets season is over. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It got it got real sad. <laughs> I, I, I recapped the Waka game last week. Like, I think it was, like, Wednesday. And I was like, oh, boy, like, this is just brutal. I feel like, like that's when things, like, went downhill. Was Yeah. Sometime at the the beginning or end of last week, because like they were kind of they were in it still. Like you could they could have made the playoffs still, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I think like it just got like rough to watch. Like it was always rough to watch, but like at that point I was just like, oh man. Question for you guys: At what point did you like kind of give up? Uh, well, like I like I said before, I was kind of rooting for them to go zero and sixty, so. <laughs> I was um, in early, and then... <laughs> Basically, once Strowman opted out, I, I did not see how they were going to pitch enough, anywhere near enough. Once they were like, we have to put Lugo in the starting rotation and doing all that craziness, I was like, it's over. Like, like it's not mathematically over, obviously, but now, even if Lugo falls out as a, as a starter, it's going to be like five or six innings tops, and the bullpen is now horrifically bad. Like, it goes from, like, bad to, like, bottom three unit in the league <laughs> because of like how little bullpen talent there is outside yeah, of that, that Diaz sounds like really. the Mets. Yeah. Like nope. Diaz was really good this year. Alright, well if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail dot com. And you could follow us on Twitter of course. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas who has been extremely quiet this episode. <laughs> he is at Elvajos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Season SDN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>